So welcome back uh, to Indian Creek Baptist Church. We are going through the book of Judges in Sunday school. Last week we saw uh, the end of Gideon and the rise of Abimelech, his son of the concubine in Shechem. Uh, Abimelech went and basically talked his way into becoming king and uh, hired vain and light persons to follow him and then went and killed his 70 brothers uh, so that he would have no opposition. Uh, this week, we understand that uh, Jotham, the youngest, had hit himself and now Jotham is going to come and make an appearance. So Judges chapter 9 and verse number 7 is where we're going to start. The Bible says, And when they told it to Jotham, he went and stood in the top of Mount Gerizim and lifted up his voice and cried and said unto them, Hearken unto me, you men of Shechem, that God may hearken unto you. The trees went forth on a time to anoint a king over them, and they said unto the olive tree, Reign thou over us. But the olive tree said unto them, Should I leave my fatness, wherewith by me they honor God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees? And the trees said to the fig tree, Come thou and reign over us. But the fig tree said unto them, Should I forsake my sweetness and my good fruit, and go to be promoted over the trees? Then said the trees unto the vine, Come thou and reign over us. And the vine said unto them, Should I leave my wine, which cheereth God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees? Then said all the trees unto the bramble, Come thou and reign over us. And the bramble said unto the trees, If in truth ye anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow. And if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Now therefore, if ye have done truly and sincerely, in that ye have made Abimelech king, and if ye have dealt well with Jerubbabel and his house, and have done unto him according to the deserving of his hands, for my father fought for you and adventured his life far and delivered you out of the hand of Midian, Midian, and ye are risen up against my father's house this day, and have slain his sons threescore and ten persons upon one stone, and have made Abimelech the son of his maidservant king over the men of Shechem, because he is your brother. If ye then have dealt truly and sincerely with Jerubbabel and with his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech, and let him also rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come out from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and the house of Milo. And let fire come out from the men of Shechem and from the house of Milo and devour Abimelech. And Jotham ran away and fled and went to Beer and dwelt there and for fear of Abimelech, his brother. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you again for this opportunity to hear your truth. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that I would just speak your truth today. Lord, that you would guard my tongue, that you would speak through me. Lord, I pray that we would hear it, not just take it into our ears, but Lord, let it sink into our hearts and grow Mold us and shape us into the men and women that you would have us to be. Lord, that we would be doers of your word and not just hearers only. So God, please guide and direct this morning. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I started reading this passage, uh, my first thought went to Proverbs 27, 17. Proverbs 27, uh, 17 says... Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. 
here, Jotham is not a friend to the men of Shechem, but he is going on and not letting them get away with things that are evil. He is proclaiming the truth. Josiah, as he's been going through school these last couple of weeks, has been learning about the Mohs hardness scale in school. Do you want to come up here and explain what it all is? No. <laughs> well, I think you should. So the Mohs hardness scale is a scale from 1 to 10 that judges the hardness of minerals. They've used it to judge the hardness of all the minerals on earth. Uh, the softest mineral at a 1 is talc. This is the, the stuff that they put on their hands, the gymnasts put on their hands, um, weightlifters, things like that. Uh, this is a white powder that's used uh, to keep your hands dry. Uh, pool players use it so that they can get a better grip on the stick. Um, the hardest mineral, of course, is the diamond at a 10. Understand that the harder the mineral, the more it has an effect on other minerals. Iron in itself is around a 4 on the scale. It's not really that strong or that, that hard, but uh, as if you want to make it stronger, you do things to it, you add different minerals to it, and it changes the composition of it. But the minimum mineral that could be used to sharpen iron is itself. Uh, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 27, 17, that iron sharpeneth iron. The problem is, if you use a mineral that's too hard, it doesn't sharpen anymore, it just destroys. It cuts. Uh, that's why on a lot of our tools, we have diamond blades, uh, to cut metals, to cut concrete, things like that, because it, it's not going to wear out as fast. It's not going to dull as fast, and it's going to uh, get through what we need it to get through. In Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, our friends are compared to uh, iron. True friends. True friends are willing to give us truth. They're not too hard. They're not too soft. They're just right to hone us and, and bring us, keep us on the right path. Jotham is not a friend in these verses, but he's going to lay out a prophecy that will destroy both the men of Shechem and Abimelech. He's going to tell the truth. The hallmark of this ironing, sharpening iron is truth. Or iron sharpeneth iron is the truth. The truth has to be told and it has to be accepted. Jotham is going to give the men of Shechem regarding, or truth regarding their actions. Standing on the Mount of Gerizim, he is going to cry out for the men of Shechem to hearken to his voice. Not just to hear, but to listen. God is doing the same thing for us from heaven today. He's pleading with us to hear his word and to do his word, to heed his warnings. That's why he left this book for us. That's why it has all of the things in it that it has in it. It has this warning from Jotham. It has the life of, uh, of Gideon. It has the life of Paul. It has all of these things, the life of Christ, simply so that we can know and understand the will of God and do it so that we can heed his warnings. In order for... Iron to sharpeneth iron, it has to come together, and one has to yield. In order for us to change, we have to yield to the correction. We have to yield to the warnings that are given to us. 
Unfortunately, for us, this often requires pain. Proverbs 20 and verse 30. says, The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil, so do stripes the inward parts of the belly. I uh, was working on a Volkswagen this week with Brother Jesse, and I hate the way they do their tires. Uh, they give you just a little ledge center hub to hang the tire on to adjust it right, and then you have to put the bolts in. And I made the mistake. I was trying to hold the tire up with one hand, and I had to reach down and grab the lug nut stud with the other, and then I realized that the studs were too short and my fingers are too fat and I couldn't get in to get it twisted. So I was trying to get the socket off of the impact to start the bolt and my hand came loose and the tire and rim came down and hit me in the face. I'm really surprised that I don't have a black eye. I was going to blame Rachel for the black eye this morning, but uh, it didn't, didn't turn into a shiner like it was supposed to. But uh, it hurts. There, there's pain here. That's, that's something that I'm not going to forget in the future. I've dealt with Volkswagen several times and know this process, but this is the first time that I've had physical pain because of it. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to remember that again and not hopefully do that again. But for us, so many times, pain is required for us to truly learn. And I've said it here before, and I've said it in many other places, that Sometimes the preacher steps on your toes. If he steps on your toes, it's because maybe your feet need to move. The pain tells us that our feet are in the wrong place. The truth is not easy to hear, and most times it's not joyous. Jotham here is going to give Israel some very strong truth that's going to predict their destruction. They're not going to listen. They're not going to take heed. He gives the prophecy. The trees are seeking a ruler. We read through it. The, the trees go forth at a time to anoint a king over them. and They first come to the olive tree and said, Reign thou over us. The trees, as they're seeking a ruler, they're a picture of us. They're a picture of all men. We talked about it a little bit last week. We talked about it the week before, too, that we are going to serve one of two masters. We're either going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, who has set us free and given us the free will to choose to serve him, or we're going to serve Satan and the God of this earth, who forces us to do so. And by not making a choice to serve Christ, we're automatically making the choice to serve Satan. But we're always looking for someone to tell us how to be, how to act, how to do things. Very few people in the world ever want to be just the leader. If they do, there's usually something wrong with them. These men of Israel were desiring earthly rulers rather than heaven. Gideon had told them they had sought Gideon and said, come thou and rule over us. And he said, I will not rule over you, neither my sons, but God shall rule over you. The problem is God is not standing right here. As I, 
I deal with the kids, um, I'm always amazed when they go somewhere else at how they behave. <laughs> because usually, like last night, the boys went and helped uh, our neighbor Chris drag a deer, and he didn't call me uh, screaming because they were being obnoxious and dumb. I'm sure he heard a ton of dad jokes, but... Uh, Did Zion behaved himself? Yes. Oh. But... They they behave differently when they're with me. But they even behave even more differently if you get a group of young people together and there's no adults around. Because there's nobody there that's an authority figure to stand and say, no, we're, we're going to keep this in check. So when we look at letting God rule in our lives and Israel is looking at God is going to rule over us. He's not physically there saying, no, don't do this every time they turn around. So they slowly slip back farther and farther. They began to, to worship the ephod. Then uh, in verse number 33 of chapter 8, it says, and it came to pass as soon as Gideon was dead that they went whoring after Balaam and, and made Baal Beeroth their god. As soon as Gideon was dead, as soon as that earthly picture of God was dead, they went back to Baal. They needed somebody that they could see, somebody that could keep them in check. Even those who live in a free nation today still seek elected people to govern them. I mean, we've been watching uh, or listening as we've tried to hear, hear the news of when the new Speaker of the House is going to, to be found. And that sounds like they found him. And mm -hmm. now they've, they've got pictures of uh, a group of them praying on the Senate floor. And uh, praise the Lord if it's not fake. But it, we have an entire government, America, the freest country in the world has an entire group of people that we pay to rule over us. That we pay to make the laws that we still don't obey. We pay them, and yet, because they're not right here holding our hand, we still oftentimes ignore what they have to say. My dad always said, locks keep honest people honest. This from a man who never shut the doors on his garage, who never locked his house. He did keep most of his guns in a safe that was locked. But he wasn't worried. Because if somebody really wanted to get in, they were going to get in. He'd rather they, he not have to fix all the damage afterwards. But just like locks keep honest people honest, laws that govern our behavior only keep us governed as long as we're willing to obey them. Most of us are too lazy to attempt to maintain a moral and upright behavior without the fear of punishment. I mean, we have a hard enough time just obeying the speed limits. Those are the smallest laws. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I moved back and I got into familiar areas, I, I don't obey them anymore either.
The trees sought first the olive tree. The olive tree is the most regal of trees. It's one that bears much fruit that is used for many things. But his answer was simple. Should I leave my fatness wherewith God is honored to rule over you? Now I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you leave the place that God has called you to, to become the President of the United States, you're taking a step down. This tree was one of their own kind. It was a God-fearing tree who delighted in honoring God and he refused to relinquish his position to come and rule over them. So they moved on to the fig tree, another very noble tree, one that's mentioned by Christ many times throughout the New Testament. And his answer was much the same. Should I leave my sweetness and my good fruit to be promoted promoted over the trees? This fig tree is not necessarily a believer. He didn't mention God in his answer. But this tree is still more or less morally upstanding. He has some idea of right and wrong and is still not willing to leave his post to become a ruler. Now the tree is turned to a vine tree. A plant that's very similar to a tree, but it's not a tree. The vine has to be held up by something. It's not freestanding. But this vine, though, is God-fearing as his answer. Should I leave my wine which cheereth God and man to be promoted over the trees? And finally, they go to the bramble. Now, this is something else altogether. The bramble has fruit like a vine, but it also has thorns. Those thorns were brought into existence because of the sin in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, 17 through 19. The bramble has no problem being ruler over the trees, but this plant is full of sin and hidden danger. A perfect picture of Satan himself. The perfect counterfeit to the vine, the bramble answer, though harsh, is completely honest. If you truly want me to rule over you, then you'll place your faith in my shadow. Place yourself in my shadow. If not, fire will come out of the bramble and devour you. You know, not only has God left us his warnings here. But Satan warns us every day what he's going to do. The Bible tells us, and it just popped into my head so I didn't look it up, but it tells us, I can't remember the verse, but it's uh, the devil like a roaring lion walketh seeking whom he may devour. Lions don't roar when they're stalking their prey. They're quiet. But the devil roars. He lets you know exactly what he's going to do. Exactly how he's going to hurt you. And we still don't listen to the warnings. This plant, the bramble, is going to rule with fear and violence. He will be a subjugator. The trees will be slaves and bound as long as the bramble lives. All of this matches pretty well with the history of Israel. 
They refused God. They refused Moses. They refused Joshua. They refused the judges. Some were good and some were bad. And now they sought Abimelech, who's a murderer from the start. Jotham's warning is pretty hard. It paints a picture for us. He asks us a question. He asks Israel a question. The picture is of John the Baptist and all the prophets. Here, Jotham, in asking this question, uses a technique that Christ will employ often throughout his ministry. He asks a question or makes a statement that requires the hearer to look inside themselves and evaluate their own actions rather than just accusing. This means that the person hearing has to come to the conclusion of their issue themselves. This is how we speak truth and love. If we go out into this community and we knock on doors and tell them that they're wicked and evil sinners, that they've, they've broken all of God's laws, they're going to turn us off. They're going to tell us to leave. But if we go out and show them example after example after example, ask them questions causing them to reflect on themselves, then they come to that answer on their own. That's where the pain comes in. This is why uh, Pastor Blaze down in Missouri, often when he was witnessing, he would go through the Ten Commandments. Uh, not necessarily all of them, but go through a few of them. And this is why we've been going through and memorizing the Ten Commandments and the Romans Roads uh, as our scripture memory, our, our corporate scripture memory. So that when we are out, we can have these verses so that we can ask the questions and allow them to seek within themselves. Jotham's question is simple. Have you done truly and sincerely? Have you done right making Abimelech your king? Have you dealt with Jerubbabel's house as he deserves after he fought for you and risked his life for you? You've killed his 70 sons and made Abimelech king. Can you honestly say that that's the right way to honor the man that God used to deliver you from Midian? Christ put it, he that are without sin cast the first stone as they brought the, women the woman taken in adultery to him. For us, have you done right by God by refusing Him? By living the way you do? So we went through our discipleship lesson 17. The last, the very last thought in that lesson was not to ask what is right with what we are, what is wrong with what we are doing, but to ask what is right with it. If there's something that we're thinking about doing, something that we are thinking about partaking in, not to ask what's wrong with it, but to ask what's right with it. This causes the reflection. 
And then he warns of the punishment to come. If you've not done right, you have two choices. Fix it. Or let fire come out of Abimelech and devour you. And let fire come out of you and devour Abimelech. Jotham here is prophesying a civil war. And we'll see next week that that's exactly what God allows to happen. For us today, as we look at our lives, we need to ask, have we done right? I've said it many times, if you own the gospel, you owe the gospel. I'm getting ready to say it again tonight down in Pleasantville. If you owe the gospel, own the gospel, you owe the gospel. We don't serve because we have to. We serve because we love our Savior who gave so much for us. Galatians 6 7 reminds us of a very important truth. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. 2 Kings 2 23 through 25. This is Elisha. And he went up from Bethel, or went up from thence unto Bethel. And he was going up, as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head, go up, thou bald head. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them. And he went from thence to Mount Carmel, and from thence he returned to Samaria. There is coming an end. The great white throne judgment for the lost, for those that have chosen to reject Christ, and the judgment seat of Christ for the saved. The question is, which side of that do you want to be on? I believe that everybody here is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to look at what we've done for Him through our lives. I want to be told, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want to slip through by the skin of my teeth. 